0: Welcome
1: to episode seven of Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. For those people who love to travel and those who love having a cold beer wherever they are in the world, this is the perfect place for you. Our guest today is Matt Ahanger from the Bitter Sisters Brewing Company in Addison, Texas. I stopped by to chat with Matt when I was in Dallas for the Freddie Awards back in April. Although I would have loved to chat with one of the sisters that the brewery is named after, Matt is the head brewer He's married to one of the sisters, and he happens to be the only one of the bunch that works full time at the brewery. Since I stopped by during the middle of a workday, sadly, no Bitter Sisters were available. No worries though, I still had a great conversation with Matt, and had the chance to try several of the Bitter Sisters brews before I headed back to the airport to fly home. Someday I hope to stop by when they're open, so I can see the taproom in full swing. Maybe next time I'm in Dallas I can head back out that way. I had lunch with some friends at the nearby Cadillac Barbecue before this interview, and it was quite possibly the best barbecue I've ever had. Couple the great barbecue with a fun brewery, and that's enough for a return visit for me. But for now, let's get right into the interview so you can see what I learned about Bitter Sisters Brewing. Sit back, relax, maybe crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy my conversation with Matt Ahinger. Okay, we're here today with Matt A. Hinger of Bitter Sisters Brewing Company, located in Addison, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. So yes. Matt, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having us.
1: We're going to talk a little bit about the brewery, about how the brewery got started, what, how you guys are doing business now, the, the good, the bad of running a brewery, and uh, see what we can learn about Bitter Sisters over the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes here. So we'll start out with you you're the the head brewer, one of the owners. Let's do a little background with you before we get too much into the structure of the of the company and the ownership and all that good stuff. but how did you get into brewing did you were you a brewer before this a home brewer how did how did you kind of get your start
2: uh, yes and yes. so I started home brewing in college uh, got really into it that was uh Back in the mid-90s, I uh, ended up getting a job as a pub brewer when I was still in school, and I worked as a pub brewer for four years uh, while I was in school and even after I graduated. So after about four years of doing that, I you know, wanted to do something else, so I moved down here and got a quote-unquote real job, thought I'd just do that for a couple years and open my own brewery. Uh, but, you know, I ended up working a few more, so 13 years later, I finally finally you left finally the corporate to world it. to open a brewery.
1: So you had a little different track than a lot of college students. A lot of college students are trying to figure out the best way to get beer and just drinking beer, whereas you went straight to the source and started making it. Exactly. That's a not something you see a lot in college students, but it's a nice early start and a great way to get started in the industry. Sure. So let's transition a bit to the company that is Bitter Sisters. How did this come about? You said it was 13 years working the real job, which is, as we all know, brewing and owning a brewery is definitely a real job. Sure, no. But it's a a more fun job than a real job, I think, most of the time. So how how did Bitter Sisters come about? How did, where did the name come from? How did you guys start? Because you're not the only, only owner
2: no it's uh we're a family-owned brewery so the brewery is me and my wife uh my wife's two sisters their husbands uh, my wife's baby brother and his wife so three older sisters a baby brother that's kind of how we came up with the name because you know you know rewind back when i was a pub brewer uh, you know i was brewing beer and my wife was bartending at the brew pub. So that's where I met my wife or soon to be wife and her little sister. So, you know, we've been talking about doing a brewery for, you know, over 10 years before we started. And so we finally went to, you know, the family and said, Hey, we're finally going to do this. If you guys want in, great. If you don't, that's fine too. Everybody said we're in. So, okay, great. We got to come up with a name for the brewery. So everybody threw out names. Nobody could agree on a name.
1: So, and that's what I would expect with eight family members right. trying to make a decision.
2: Right. So, you know, before then, we'd been making beers for a bunch of different family events, wedding receptions, uh, rehearsal dinners, all of that kind of stuff. So when the baby brother was getting married, we made all the beers for the rehearsal dinner, and I made another beer for the relatives coming in from out of town, and it was an English-style bitter. And I called it Bitter Sisters, just kind of poking fun at the sisters because the three older sisters of the baby brother were very opinionated about the wedding, even though it wasn't theirs.
1: And what so, had to be done and the flowers and right, all, all that kind of right. stuff.
2: How everything should be done. So when we couldn't come up with a name, I said, well, let's just call it Bitter Sisters. And all three sisters agreed. And so we called it Good and we moved on. And to this day, that's how we come up with all of our beer names. Once all three sisters agree, we call it Good then and that can move be on. That.
1: Yeah. So that was actually going to be my next question. You said everybody, the all the family members were all in, and they decided they wanted to do this. Does everyone all do all eight of you have an active role in running the brewery, or do you have? How do you separate the responsibilities?
2: Yeah. So everybody kind of has you know certain roles and responsibilities. Um, you know, my wife does you know the business side. Uh, her sisters do more the you know branding, uh, merchandising side the baby brother and his wife, you know, kind of pick up the pieces and, you know, do private events and, you know, a little bit of everything else. So that's, everybody kind of has their role of what they do.
1: So that's got to be kind of nice. A lot of breweries where I go and talk to there, it may just be one or two owners and they're also doing the brewing and they're doing the merchandising and they're doing the advertising and they're running the tap room and they're doing this. So it's, I have to assume that from that respect, it's kind of nice having more people that you can spread out the load a little bit with that. But then from having worked with my father-in-law for several years, I can understand the stresses of working with family. Do you guys find that you have a lot of, I, I don't want to say a lot of issues with working together, or are there times where you just need to, to walk away and have some alone time? Or do you guys generally get along pretty well?
2: Um, I think it was harder at first, you know, just trying to figure out the, the whole dynamic of you know, this is a business and we have have things to do that we have to get done. And, you know, decisions have to be made and people aren't always gonna agree. And so since it's family, you know, sometimes feelings get hurt, um, but you still have to see each other. So I think it, you know, at first, you know, kind of took us a little bit to figure out. And, you know, so now it's it's pretty smooth. Everybody kind of knows, you know, their roles. And, you know, we have a, a pretty good feel for how, you know, how to navigate this thing, you know, now the, the hardest decisions that we argue on are usually the beer names of, you know, I don't like this, or I don't like that. So that's and, usually the and biggest. And how long
1: have you been up and running?
2: Uh, we just had our four year anniversary a couple weeks
1: ago. Okay, so hopefully it didn't take the full four years to get things no, no, figured no. out. no, it didn't but take the full four years. It's funny you say that about the beer names. There's the, the place that I'm working in uh, Virginia, there's two owners and they consistently, anytime one of them comes up with a beer name, the other one's like, no, I hate it. And they, they go back and forth and I think they just, one of them gives up at some point. They name the beer the thing and then the other one's like, I hate that beer name and that one and that one. Like, oh, did Brian come up with that? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so.
2: Well, yeah, beer names are impossible because you think you have a great name and then you go and do the research because you want to trademark it so yeah. nobody else uses it. and somebody's used it already or three people have used used it it already somebody's got a
1: trademark or yeah
2: so that's you know that's the hardest part is trying to find a unique beer name that's good
1: yeah especially with the the expanse and the the growth of the industry and so many new breweries and they're putting out so many new beers and yep there's actually a a couple of places i don't know if there's an app but i know there's a website with a craft beer name generator
2: oh right (laughs)
1: I know one of our, our brewers has punched some stuff in there. He has been less than happy with the results. So I don't think we've actually named anything with it, but he thought it was funny that it existed. Right. And your beer names, you guys tend to, to aim towards the theming of the Bitter Sisters or towards the, the family dynamic in your beer exactly. names. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Everything's kind of around the sisters and around the family. You know, that's kind of where, you know, what we try and go for.
1: And to give them examples, I can see. I mean, we you've got signs up here in the tap room. We've got family trip, uh, Belgian triple. We've got the busybody blonde lager. We've got the catfight India pale ale. Um, I see a, a hot temper. I can see over on the taps and a hissy fit. And so it sounds. And I don't know. It sounds like my sister. <laughs> so right. I assume. I assume your your wife and her sisters. A lot of those came from uh, experiences they had growing up and and not working together but living together for all those years
2: yeah and there's some names that some of us think would be really good you know because it's kind of an old nickname that they would say um you know but then the
1: one sister absolutely hates it like no there will not be a beer named after that time where i tripped and fell right exactly yeah i can see how that would work out so you said before that you after you worked for several years, you decided to open up the brewery and the family went all in. At that point, did all eight of you quit your jobs and you started looking for a location? Or did you keep working and gradually find someplace and gradually build it? How, how was that transition? And I guess I should ask, are all of you full-time doing this now? Or do are there other jobs for some of you or all of you?
2: So I'm the only one that actually quit my job uh, to do this full time, and I'm still the only one uh, that's working full time at the brewery. That's a member of the family. Uh, you know, the, my wife and her sisters, and you know, brother and sister-in-law. You know, they do it kind of on. They do the other things kind of on the side you know, in addition to whatever else they're doing. But I'm the only one. Because
1: uh, they can do with the merchandising, that's something you can do in the evening a lot of times. Exactly. You make a couple of calls in the afternoon, whereas brewing, you can't work a full-time job and then come in and brew unless you want to stay up all night. Right. It's not like a 20-minute thing that you can do when you have no. time. No, And you said you you have other full-time employees here. Well, you didn't say that, but you hinted at it.
2: Yeah, no, I've got, there's uh, two other full-time employees and then, uh, you know, one uh, part-time uh, girl that works uh, the tasting room a couple days a week and then we've uh, actually you know kind of developed a really good group of volunteers that come in and help us out when we're canning or you know just help us out with whatever so that's okay, that's that, been
1: nice those volunteers to you is it like you get a pint on us or you get a couple of cans or exactly one yeah. can for the case one can for your pocket right they probably work, not that <laughs>
2: right they work that would be frowned on, they work uh, they work for beer basically
1: yeah, and that's when, it, when I started out, I, I gave my background to the, the guys that own the brewery that I'm working at. And they said, uh, yeah, we can't afford what you should be making. And I said, well, that's OK. <laughs> I just want to come and, and deal with the brewery and do some brewing. And they were like, oh, good. Then, yeah, we can do this. So it's it's amazing what people will do for a little bit of beer.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: So we talked a little bit about how your beers are named after um, the, the relationships or the sisters or the family, family kind of things. Is there a way that they're connected to the local area, not as much in name, but as far as ingredients or I guess, how do you, how do you trend towards what it is that you're brewing? Is that influenced at all by your location here in Texas, or is it more just personal tastes?
2: uh mainly personal tastes uh when we started the brewery i knew that uh, i wanted to do quite a few lagers which is something that not a lot of craft breweries do
1: yeah so, a lot are a lot are very heavy ipa at this point
2: right and almost zero lager i mean you see very few lagers uh, you're starting to see a little bit more um, but when we started out we had uh, four core beers and half of those were lagers and we still have those so our Busybody Blonde Lager is a German-style Helles. Our Hissy Fit Merzen Lager is a German-style Merzen. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, one thing that we wanted to do to differentiate us. And also in Texas, Texas has a history of, you know, a large German population. So, you know, so people you are to used to drinking German lagers, right. Influence in some of your beers. Right. So it's, you know, it's hot in the summer in Texas. So a lager goes down pretty well.
1: Yeah, you don't need a, a strong IPA or a stout or something like that if you get a good lager. Uh, some of those German styles is wonderful when it's 90 or 100 degrees out.
2: Right. Well, you know, down here we'll have a month of 100 degree temperatures. So, yeah, yeah
1: a nice so golden lagers. Several lagers. S- several during that lagers, time. Right. Probably work the exactly. best. Exactly. So now that we, we talked about the beers and how you're kind of designing some of your beers for the not just the population but the, the heat here in Texas, and we know that you're family-owned and there's eight family members all working together. I, I usually ask people, what, what makes your brewery different? And I feel like we've almost answered those questions already. Um, but why, if you had a, a couple minutes to say why people should come in here with all the different craft breweries in the Dallas area. What, what in your mind, makes you guys special that people should make the trip here to, to try your beers?
2: Obviously, I think our beer's some of the best in DFW. Um, you know, the lager aspect is very different. Uh, we also do uh, a couple different Belgian styles as well. Um, you know, some other breweries are doing those. Um, I think the nice thing about here is, you know, our, you come into the tap room and there's always several regulars in and it's always a very warm welcoming you know people describe this as their cheers so now you come in and you
1: know you'll leave with five new friends so it's oh, you know and then it's a the very, next time you stop in you're going to see some of those people again exactly
2: and, and you know they'll remember you and we have a couple guys that we, you know, come in every once in a while and they're pilots for Emirates and they live in Dubai. And so when they're, when they get a leg to Dallas, they come here and so, you know, we remember them and yeah, they stop in. Yeah, it's
1: interesting talking to you about that. And then with a brewery I talked to yesterday and some of the barbecue places I was just in, I'm, I'm staying at a hotel right at DFW and we're fairly close to that. It's, there seems to be a great opportunity for people to come in and even on a long layover go try some great beer and some great barbecue right here in the, the DFW Dallas area. Oh, absolutely. So we mentioned a few different types of beers. I threw some names out there at the beginning. How many beers do you guys brew? How many do you, I guess, how many do you have on tap and how many have you brewed that are no longer there? <laughs>
2: We've got five core beers that we brew year-round. We've got our Blonde Lager, our Merzen Lager, uh, an American IPA, our Catfight IPA, our Family Trip, uh, Belgian Triple, and then our Knockout Irish Red Ale, which is actually more of an Imperial Irish Red Ale because it weighs in at 8%. Um, We've got 10 beers on tap at the tap room, so we've got a couple different seasonals on uh, and a couple things we're playing around with. Uh, I don't know how many beers we've brewed total that aren't around anymore uh, because we like to play around a little bit uh, and have stuff in the taproom. So, you know, a good example right now, we've got uh, a coffee version of our Knockout Irish Red. So our Imperial Irish Red that we've infused with coffee from Addison Coffee Roasters, which is here in Addison right down the street. Um, So you get a little bit of the coffee flavor with that big, darker beer. Uh, It's interesting because we had just had our four-year anniversary party and uh, we did a couple different beers with their coffee and we did two different versions of our knockout with two different coffees and then we did our busybody blonde lager with a lighter roast coffee and that was kind of the you know the surprise hit. Everybody just loved that beer because it was a lighter roast coffee. You didn't really get the bitterness from the coffee but it just complemented the beer and nothing got in the way of each other. So we're going to scale that one up and, and do it on a big scale. And what was even cooler about that is we had those guys out. And so Addison Coffee Roasters, they were doing pour overs of each of those coffees. So as you had the beer with that coffee, you could try that coffee that was in the beer side by side with it and, and see, you know, it see what pulls how those it tastes
1: out. Yeah. It's funny that you say the the blonde with the lighter coffee was such a huge hit. Uh, if, some of our listeners listened to my podcast with uh, Mike Frizzell a couple of episodes ago, who's one of the owners of the brewery that I'm working at. We kind of accidentally, not accidentally, but we, we brewed a blonde, and then we decided to split it out and try some flavors, and one of them was a, a coffee vanilla. And that coffee vanilla blonde, to this day, is one of our most popular beers, and we've had to keep brewing it, and we brewed it all through the winter and because people just love it. And I, right. I think that maybe. be... You don't see a lot of those blondes with the coffee flavors, but I think that it's something that's coming because customers really seem to like it.
2: Yeah, so we're going to probably try and do that, you know, sometime during the summer when it's nice and hot. And so you get a, a blonde with, you know, a little bit more flavor and then we'll move to our knockout Irish red with the coffee as it gets a little bit colder in the fall and winter.
1: So you have your five main beers on, on tap here, and then the other five may be variations on those beers, or they may be completely different new things that you're trying?
2: Yeah, we've got, um, we've got our Imperial Stout, which is our Winterbush Imperial Stout. Uh, then we've got uh, the Winterbush Imperial Stout that we aged in uh, Woodford Reserve uh, double oak barrels for about almost a year and a half. Uh, So those two, you know, are unique, Uh, the barrel age you only get here at the tasting room. Uh, We've got our Hot Temper Hoppy Lager, which is kind of our take on a steam beer. So, you know, 5.2 percent, you know, hoppy lager, you know, that we use our lager yeast and ferment it warmer, you know, like a traditional steam beer
1: oh that's that's kind of cool so it's neat that you can try some things in the tap room that you may not be able to get other places and that kind of sends us over to the distribution side of things you mentioned you have volunteers who come in to help out with the canning uh and i know you're there were a bunch of kegs getting filled when we took a quick walk through there how big of a distribution footprint do you have
2: uh so we, right now uh, in texas we're mainly in uh the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, we've got a few accounts uh, in other parts of Texas, a uh, few in Houston, a few in Austin, uh, a couple in San Antonio, and a few in uh, East Texas. Uh, we also distribute in Oklahoma as well.
1: And those accounts are mostly restaurants, or are those uh, beer stores? What? A uh,
2: little bit of where? both. Little? I would say a little, little bit of both.
1: And what beers do you can? Is that just the, your five main beers? Just or, the five main beers. Uh, so if, right you wanna, if, if people want to try any of the, the little nuances and the little different ones of the new stuff, they're going to have to come right here to the tap room. And,
2: right. Yeah. As part of our four-year anniversary, uh, we released our Belgian Quad, uh, which is named Sister Squad. Uh, so you can, they'll, people can find that around the DFW area, but it's only on Draft. Uh, we are this summer going to can our hot temper hoppy lager. so when it's nice and hot, you'll have a nice hoppy lager that's a nice, nice that you and can crushable pick up at
1: your, your local craft beer store. Exactly. Now something I learned when I was uh, recording yesterday, which I had no idea in Texas, is that you are not actually allowed to sell, takeaway beer here at the brewery, right? Because I kind of went through it and there's a difference between brew pubs and production breweries, but there's no evidence of food here. And there's definitely large, large tanks where you're making beer. So, So you can't sell growlers, you can't sell cans, you can't sell anything out of here.
2: Correct, and that's because we have a brewery license. However, there's really no difference between a brew pub license and a brewery license, other than how many barrels you're able to produce. So brew pub license, you can only brew up to 10,000 barrels, but the state law doesn't say anything about
1: food. So you could be a brew pub technically Just as a small any, brewery.
2: Uh, just as a small brewery.
1: That's interesting. Do you have uh, accounts with that? Um, so where I'm from in Virginia and everywhere I've ever lived, growlers is a big thing like you can you can go and fill your growler after you've had a have a pint fill a growler and go take your beer home is there do you have businesses that you work with nearby that if someone wants a few cans you can say oh just go to the next street over and pick it up over here
2: absolutely and it's you know kind of it's very timely that we're talking about this because actually just yesterday uh in the texas legislature uh in the house they they voted to allow an amendment as a rider to one of the bills that uh, has to do with TABC, which is the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission that regulates alcohol. That uh, it, it's an amendment. I wouldn't say a rider, but that amendment would allow breweries to sell for off premise.
1: Oh, so that would be a, a huge change for it you. Would guys. Be a huge change. You'd have to get a fridge out here somewhere but we've got one in the back we're ready you're ready You're you're just waiting yep it reminds me i did a, a tour years ago well, i did several tours years ago because i used to live pretty close to the yingling brewery in pottsville pennsylvania sure, yeah. and as part of that tour they talked about they, they take you down and show you the caves and they're like this is where we brewed during prohibition and this is where we did this, and then when the when Prohibition was repealed, as soon as it repeal, was repealed at noon that day, uh, a truck full of yingling pulled up to the White House. And right, that
2: magically got brewed. <laughs> yeah, it
1: magically got brewed in the last two hours. So it's uh, you always have to be almost ahead of the trend, not necessarily brewing during Prohibition, but you're you're ready so as soon as they say you can do this that fridge is coming out here and you're going to have cans in it Absolutely that right. afternoon I'm sure yep and that's exciting to see them loosen loosen that up a little bit because a lot of those laws uh, not just with brewing but laws in general there are a lot of laws on the books in a lot of states that made sense when they made them but now as things have progressed it It's hard to get them changed, but everyone kind of knows they should be.
2: Right, and it's, you know, it's still not law yet. It just, they voted to allow the amendment to this other bill. We're still not out of the woods yet, but this is a really good sign. It looked like yesterday, because we listened to the whole session, it looked like it wasn't going to pass, and it didn't after the first vote. It was, it failed by one vote, but when they called for a vote on the floor and people had to actually voice their vote, it magically magically switched the other way it. and there was a whole lot of people that said they didn't want that amendment that weren't even there so that
1: was really weird so they they wanted to push a button and say no but they didn't want people to really know who it was saying no
2: exactly and so when they when they called out certain representatives oh they weren't even on the floor at the time somebody magically pushed their button so
1: yeah, so well i'm glad they got that uh, settled the the way that will work out well, hopefully, hopefully in, yeah. in the future Fingers for crossed. the breweries here in uh, Texas. So we talked about beer names, and that's kind of a, a group thing. And when the sisters agree a beer can be named, How? who gets to decide what beers get brewed? Is that something that you do as head brewer? Is that a consensus kind of thing? Does, does your wife... Come home some night and say we should brew this, and you're like, okay, honey. <laughs> um, I'd who gets say to pick?
2: mostly, mostly I pick, but you know everybody has input, uh, so a lot of it will be kind of the feeling things out. You know when we're playing around, like coffee blonde. You know the reception on that was just incredible, so you know that's how we know that's a great one to go to. And people will say, you know, hey, we should brew a beer like this, and. Sometimes I'll, you know, hear their idea, and that doesn't really jive with my brewing philosophy, and I'll, you know, politely decline. Just say, okay, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> sure, it's- yeah, we'll see when we can fit that one into the schedule.
1: Yeah, on that a similar note to that, there's a lot of different rating services for beers. You have uh, untapped, you have Beer Advocate, you have a, a variety of places where people can go and make comments. Sure. Do you... I guess not pay attention to that, but do you, when you see that, does that affect how you're deciding what to brew, how you're, what you decide to brew again, or is it more of a what you're seeing from people in the tap room and a, a face-to-face kind of thing?
2: It's more the face-to-face. I really don't pay any attention to the beer rating sites. I know some brewers that get all worked up about it and personally hurt when somebody says they don't like their beer or whatever. And... I, I think it's ridiculous, it's, you know, unless you know the guy, you respect him. I mean, that's that's what matters to me. If, you know, somebody I know and respect or...
1: Or you have several customers right. who are all saying to you, there's something off about this. Right. Then and you may take, it, take more stock in that than someone randomly on the internet saying, this beer tasted smoky and I didn't like it. Right, so... You have no idea if they just came from the barbecue and i mean i i just had barbecue before i came here and as we were standing in line it was about an hour in line and my friend said to me well the good news is if you get hungry later we'll just be able to smell our clothes because we'll smell like smoke and i thought you know that's not that bad <laughs> but right. that that could be a hazard if you just ate a whole bunch of barbecue and then have a beer and it tastes smoky well no that's your mouth that tastes smoky
2: well my favorite is when you're talking to somebody and you know they're drinking a beer and they they say yeah i really don't like this beer And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the gum that you're chewing at the same time. (laughs) That might be part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as far as really not liking beers, are there any beers that you've brewed, and I assume this will be the case with, with other family members having input on what you're brewing, but is there anything that you brewed because people asked for it or because you thought it was a good idea and when it was done, you tasted it and you said, oh, I don't like that. And then you served it to some customers or your other family members and they absolutely loved it?
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, I generally, one of my rules is I don't brew a beer that I won't drink. Uh, so, you know, I'm not a big fan of like smoked beers. Um, okay. You know, so I'm, I would be very hesitant to do a smoked beer because a lot of times you can way overdo it real quick. Um, yeah, and
1: that's, and, which is kind of a good philosophy Philosophy as the head brewer, if you know you're not going to like it, how do you know if it's good?
2: Right. I mean, another, I guess another example would be, I'm not a big fan of pepper beers, but, you know, hey, if we did a pepper beer, that would probably go over pretty well in Texas, um, but. I'm just not a fan at all of pepper beers. You know.
1: I think I like them like a good jalapeno lager or something like that. I like it in a four ounce sample. I don't like a full size one. See, I don't, right, I don't and, want a can of it. I don't want a pint of it. it four ounces, I'm good if I have another couple samples. And, and that's. I can and, wash it down. But and that's the thing. I mean, you know. I do like the taste. But right, not. but in
2: small amounts. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, another problem with the pepper beers. I remember we did a. Uh, a green chili beer when I was brewing uh, at the brew pub you know before I start way before I started this and everything we put on that line after that beer had a little bit of green chili in the undertone and we cleaned it with acid we cleaned it with caustic we cleaned it with everything we could think of and finally after we put on a really strong
1: IPA it, finally, it, cleared it, it out. finally cleared it out. I visited a brewery recently, and they had um, an Irish red that they had on nitro. And I thought, well, I, I haven't had an R- Irish red on nitro. So I ordered it, and I tasted it, and I could taste the coffee. And I was like, and they used to have a coffee stout on this line. Yep. <laughs> and I said something to them, and I'm like, oh, we don't think it tastes that much like coffee. I'm like, well, if it tastes anything like coffee, it's an Irish red. It should not. <laughs> So they, I mean, they didn't seem overly concerned, and hopefully, it's going to work its way through. But that was my first. I tasted it, and I was like, "Oh, that used to be a coffee stout." <laughs> I can tell immediately what was on that line.
2: And you didn't clean the line properly. Yeah,
1: so you gotta you gotta watch that. But that said, same with the with the pepper and the coffee can really get into those lines. So it's it's best to have a dedicated line almost sure. for the, those types of beers. In an average day when you're brewing, I guess I should step back a second. How many? days a week or how many days a month? How often are you brewing here?
2: Um, I mean, we've got a 30-barrel brew house, so uh, we've got quite a bit of capacity. We'll brew uh, probably about twice a week. Uh, as summer starts coming up and we get a little busier, uh, we may have some weeks where we're brewing three times. Um, but usually it's about two a week.
1: Okay. And you're in here doing other things on the other days, I assume. Yeah. as all as I know, I assume most of the listeners know, yes. there's not just the brew day, there's a lot of stuff. You have to check your specific gravities, you have to dry hop, you have to do, do all sorts of other things as you go along. So even brewing two days a week, um, you're, you're still pretty busy all the time with the brewing process, even if it's not that actual first day.
2: No, absolutely.
1: How much beer would you say you drink in an average work day? And second part of that question, how much of it is actually finished? Of beer? Of the beer that you're drinking.
2: Oh, finished how, beer.
1: How much is finished and completed and carbonated versus how much are you tasting to see how far along it is? So.
2: I, I mean, we, you know, if we check gravities, uh, you know, we'll maybe have one or two ounces. So all together, that's maybe a beer. Um, and then we usually... You know, we'll try something that we're working on. uh, You know, hey, let's see how, you know, this beer's coming along that we added coffee to or that we, you know, added, uh, you know, oak cubes to. And so it'll be maybe a couple ounces there. Um, We really don't drink that much, uh, you know, while we're working. Um, And we almost, we really never, hardly ever drink uh, when we're brewing uh, just too many things to
1: go you wrong. You just don't have time, I found. <laughs> right, <laughs> just, and you know. And if you mess up a temperature, or you right. think you put hops in and you didn't put the right number of scoops in, then yeah, right. there's yeah. there's a lot of things that can go wrong there.
2: Yeah, but we have so we do have you know kind of a tradition here. Uh, when we're done with a brew day, uh, we'll have a pint of the beer that we made that day. So if we're brewing our Catfight IPA, we'll have a pint of Catfight IPA. Um, or if we're brewing something new that we haven't brewed before, then, okay, well, then maybe we'll share, you know, a really cool bottle of something.
1: Oh, okay. You know, so that's maybe
2: sim- similar style.
1: Is there one of your beers, one, one of your five that you, at the end of a uh, brew day, that you're like, hey, I could use a pint of that? What's, what's, I guess, your favorite one that you guys brew?
2: Um, I don't really have a favorite. I think I tend to drink, uh, you know... Overall, I probably drink our Hissy Fit Mertzen and our Cat Fight the most, but then during the summer, uh, the Hissy Fit maybe switches to the Busybody a little bit because it's a little bit lighter when it's hotter. And it's nothing with, uh, against the other core beers. Uh, it's just that like, our Knockout Irish Reds, 8%, our Family Trips, 10%. So I probably drink a little bit less of those so that I can have you know a little bit more of the other
1: beers. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, a lot easier to have a, a 5%, 6%, 4% right. um and then move on with your life that day if you have a a full pint of a 10% beer. There Right. You're you're going to need to relax for a little while before you move on. Yep. Um especially if you have a couple of those. Yes. So we talked a little bit about barbecue before because I'm somewhat obsessed with Texas barbecue. and I, As you should be. Every time I come here, I try at least two new barbecues, and that's the event that I was in town for last night. Um, I said, yeah, that was nice to come to that, but I'm really here for the beer and the barbecue. And yeah, I got to go to an event, but I went to a barbecue place for lunch yesterday. I talked to another brewery yesterday afternoon. I went to barbecue. I, I guess it was lunchtime by the time we got the barbecue today. We got in line at kind of brunch time. Um, and then another brewery here, and then I'm gonna head home. So it's, it's a pretty successful trip for me, but... Yeah, so it sounds
2: like a great day. So
1: beer, beer goes great with barbecue. Absolutely. Are there other foods, of course there are other foods that go great with beer, but are, are, what are some of your favorites that you like to have along with a beer? And do you design any of your beers to sort of complement foods, or do you think like, I really love to have a good bratwurst off the grill, So I'm going to make this German Hell's Lager that's this is going to be perfect combo for this summer. Do you you make decisions like that?
2: I don't design beers to go with food generally. Um, It's more what beer would pair best, you know, with the food that's already there. I mean, I like a good, you know, a good burger with a beer or, you know, pizza with a beer. Um, But I generally don't, you know, design it one way or the other.
1: Okay, it just happens that... It It
2: just happens that, hey, and I had, you know, we we were on tap at one account and upscale burger place and the chef said... The hissy fit merton is the best beer with a burger that's his opinion and but you know he's the chef but that's what he thought he said so that put was that the best on the one.
1: menu next to the thing like this pairs with this beer <laughs> exactly yeah i find i've seen that in a lot of restaurants where they have some of their dishes and if they're a, a beer centric or a local beer type restaurant they'll be like drink this uh, drink this beer with this food and sometimes you have it and it it goes perfectly and sometimes you have it and you're like, I think they just put some beers on their menu. <laughs> right. And you're like, I, I mean, it wasn't bad, but there's no nothing that says, oh, yeah, this should go with this this food. Now, the other side of this podcast, other than talking to brewers and owners and small breweries, I talk to a lot of travelers, but I find things kind of cross over with the, the brewing community or the, the, the small brewery movement growing so much in the U.S., and you mentioned you're brewing a couple of German beers. Are there places in the past that you've traveled to that you thought had an amazing beer culture or that would be worth a trip just to, to see those beers? Or are there specific places you've gone because you want to see what beer is there?
2: Uh, yeah, so the first, the first one that comes to mind is uh, my wife and I took a big trip about five years ago Uh, with uh, another couple that are our really good friends Um, and so we went to Belgium and London so it was very
1: beer right so that
2: was you know so I was very focused on here's where we need to go here's what beers we need to try and so the first day we uh, after we got in we ended up you know we stayed in Bruges so you know had an amazing dinner at a beer bar in Bruges called Cambrinas, and the food was equally as good as the beers. Uh, and I knew since we were in Bruges, you know, well, you know, we might as well get a driver and uh, head on out to West Flanders. So, you know, we did that. So, uh, so you
1: get some of those, so you the, get whole, the, 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 the Lambics right. and the Sours and the some of those good Belgian beers that you can find occasionally here in the U.S., but not as easily as there
2: (laughs) right so I mean the whole trip was pretty much focused around you know beer and you know cuisine so
1: well, that sounds like a, a yeah. great trip.
2: No, absolutely. The other
1: cool thing about Belgium, and this is true in a, a lot of Europe, but I noticed definitely in Belgium, any beer you order comes in its own glass. Yes. And I don't know where they keep all the glassware at these restaurants, or if they just hope four people don't order the same beer and they have two of the glasses. But it's amazing that you order this. They may have uh, 20 or 30 beers on the list, and you pick one that you think it's okay this is sounds like a tiny little place i'm gonna have this and it comes out in its own labeled glass and it's a different shape for each beer right and and that's amazing
2: yeah and that's what was what was amazing about this restaurant in bruges uh was you know they give you the menu and then they give you the beer menu and it's as thick as a phone book i mean they probably had 500 different beers but whatever you ordered like you said well it has its own glass that accompanies it
1: yeah and we have a place in d c called Church Key that has i i don't know I mean it's like five six hundred different beers you can get, but they do not have different glasses they have you can get glasses or you can drink it right out of the bottle depending on what the beer is and their selection is amazing yep but i they wouldn't have space for that many glasses and i I don't know where they come from yeah I've but actually- it's always been it's always been a marvel to me. And then you you said you also went over to London where there's literally a, a different London pub ale in every corner brewery, restaurant, uh, in every neighborhood in that town.
2: Yeah. And, that, you know, the funny thing about London was, uh, you know, there was a couple pubs that we went to that specifically kind of carried London or, you know, England based craft breweries. And so they were craft breweries in England and then you have the beers and they're trying to mimic american styles so they're making west coast ipas and you know imperial stouts and they're making all of these beers that you would think you would get here but now you're getting them in london and then you go to the tradition we'd go to the traditional pubs and have you know you know a cask pulled pint and after being in belgium for you know 5 days you go to london and you're drinking a 3% beer you, you yeah, you it, just get full
1: it does almost nothing to you and yes. you're, you're you still enjoy it just the absolutely. same absolutely
2: yeah it's delicious but
1: um any other spots that you can think of that would, would be great for beer
2: um well i was actually in portland last week so first time in portland of course you know
1: fantastic for beer yeah i've had some good times at uh the I guess the brewery isn't there for Deschutes, but their brew pub.
2: Their brew pub. Yep. We went there. That's,
1: they have great food, great food, great beers. And it's, it's always a super good time. Very crowded in the evenings. Um, I spent some time at uh, Rogue Brewing also there and, and tried a few of their beers. They had an outdoor festival when I was there. It was like a, it was I, I picked the right weekend there was like a bike rally through town oh wow um they had a little course set up uh and i'm talking cycling not right right not motorcycling but they had a little course set up and people with cowbells ringing and it was like a lap type thing and then there was a an outdoor festival at rogue and then there was a, a concert i think there was an mls all-star game happening this was a couple of years ago, and then there was a free concert by the Flaming Lips, and I was like, I, I didn't need to plan anything for this trip. I just needed to walk around, <laughs> and I had some great beers and, and some good times in that town.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of places that people would be surprised that you can find great beer. You just may have to seek it out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things we really um work on or we emphasize is that trying the local beer wherever you go and i'm my family and i are huge travelers a lot of my friends travel a lot um full-time brewing it's probably a little tougher to get away a little bit yeah but i i'm sure wherever you go you're trying the local stuff to see what's new and see what's out there and see see where the industry is headed
2: oh absolutely of course
1: so we'll finish up with a, a kind of fun question here I didn't include it because I want your, when I, when I sent you over the questions and topics, because I want your honest opinion. My
2: candid, candid yes, feedback. Yes,
1: your, your candid feedback. And that is, it's a, a question that I've gotten from a couple people when I was serving in the tap room. And I thought this is a fun question to ask people and wholly appropriate for you. And that is, why do so many brewers have beards? Um, I,
2: it's in the rule book. So it says if you're a brewer, you either have to have a beard, a tattoo, or piercings. So I don't have any tattoos, don't have any piercings, so I went so the beard. So you had to grow the,
1: the beard. Yeah, Actually, that is That is the most quick and solid answer I have gotten for that question yet. So I did very impressive. All right. <laughs> the lightning round, you did very, very well. Good. So I guess we'll finish up there. I'm excited uh, to to taste a couple of the beers once we finish up recording here that we've talked about during this episode. But uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to spend with me and do a little bit of recording. And again, this is Matt Ahanger from Bitter Sisters Brewing Company in Addison, Texas. So definitely uh, stop by, try some of their beers and say hi. It seems like it's a a fun place.
2: Yeah, and if you come in, and you ask for Matt, it may or may not be me because we have three Matts that work here. Uh, one of them's my brother-in-law, and one of them's uh, our our head of sales that also works the tap room. So
1: so just to add a, a little bit of confusion to everything. Right. Exactly. Before we go, can you just quickly uh, let people know where they can find you? Um, you can do an address, website, social media. Whereas, if they want to learn more about this this company and find their way here to have a beer what's the best way to do that Uh,
2: so yeah uh, website uh, bittersistersbrewery.com we're on Facebook Twitter our address is uh, 15103 Surveyor Boulevard in Addison Uh, we are just north of Beltline in between Marsh and Midway if you're in the from the Dallas area uh, look for the big water tower and we're directly across the street that's kind of our landmark
1: Oh, that's, a, that's an easy, you can see that from quite a ways away, I bet. Yes. I, I wish my Uber driver had known that as we were getting here, because we kind of went around the block once, and I was like, but wait, wasn't it back there? And but Yeah, we eventually Google, found
2: it. Google does weird things with our address here.
1: Yeah, but uh, so that's where people can find you. We'll link up all those, the social media and your website in the show notes, and uh, people will be able to check it out and hopefully stop by for a beer when they're in town. Yep. So thanks again, and uh, it was great chatting with you. Yep, thanks. I hope you enjoyed that brief conversation with Matt Ehinger, the head brewer and one of the co-owners of the Bitter Sisters Brewing Company. Remember, if you want to come try their beers at the tap room yourself, you have to make your way to Addison, Texas. Bitter Sisters is about 25 minutes north of downtown Dallas, or about 25 minutes east of the DFW Airport. All of the important points and links that we talked about during our chat will be in the show notes so you can pick up anything there that you missed the first time through. And that's all we have for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of the new episodes we have coming down the line. Also, tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy, too. Until next time, safe travels, happy drinking, and cheers! We'll see you in the tap room.